0: He was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Um, Lord, I know that there is good news in here that you have for us. And I pray that you would again, Lord, open our ears to hear it, our eyes to see you for who you are. Lord, I pray that we would leave here more in love with you than we are even right now. I pray that we would leave here excited about what it means to belong to you excited about even the times that we are living in right now, as scary as they can be. Lord, our eyes are on you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The story here with Noah is just one of many, many amazing stories all throughout the Bible. I mean, there are some incredible stories in this book that has been around for so long, stories that I believe are even better than the ones that Hollywood could come up with themselves. In fact, most of the stories that Hollywood does come up with are usually some type of variation of an original story that was first in the Bible. They just kind of altered it in some way. And all the stories in here in Scripture, they include every genre you can think of. Action stories, adventure, drama, romance, mystery, and even a little comedy thrown in every now and then. And each of these stories, if they were made into a movie, they would pretty much cover every rating. There'd be some that are rated G, intended for all audiences. There'd definitely be some that were rated R just because of the brutal violence that contained in them. Some of them may even have stronger ratings than that. When reading those stories, I often try to imagine what it would be like to be right there when some of these amazing things were going on, like with Noah. I mean, just imagine seeing every kind of animal on earth walking into the ark. And these are animals that normally would be killing and eating each other, but here they are just walking as calm as they can be in an orderly fashion. And the majority of those animals, Noah probably had never seen in his entire 600 years of living. And so how cool would that have been just to see all these weird and fascinating creatures that you didn't even know existed entering into a boat that you had just built with your own hands. And then what would it have been like to be a part of a huge rainstorm for 40 straight days and nights? Strong enough to cover water over the entire planet. And then, when that water receded, what would it have been like to know that your family were the only human beings on the entire planet? That would have been weird. Imagine what it would have been like being on the shores of the Red Sea, thinking that there was no way of escape for the Egyptians coming up behind you, and all of a sudden you hear this loud roar. And you see the waters just part right in front of you, exposing dry land for you to cross into safety and salvation. Or to be Elijah, standing near the altar, close enough to feel the heat from the fire that God sent from heaven to consume the altar in front of the prophets of Baal. Or be Ezekiel, watching a pile of skeletons suddenly come to life and grow skin on those bones and march out into, as a vast army. Or to be David, standing over this huge giant who had just fallen because of a rock that you slung at his head. And you're lifting up his own heavy sword and coming down to cut the head off this beast of a man that had kept an entire nation paralyzed In fear for so long. It might have been even more amazing to be a part of some of the stories that happened in the New Testament. What would it have been like to be Lazarus being uh, woken up by the sound of Jesus' voice telling you to come out of that tomb? Or to be tossed around in a boat in the middle of this massive storm thinking that you are going to die any second just to see that door suddenly come to an abrupt stop and it go completely quiet as Jesus commanded it to do. Imagine being Thomas. Just one of the ones to just be able to actually touch the holes in his hands. In the sight of Jesus after the resurrection. Or to be one of the 12 apostles who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then coming out of that upper room to explain to everyone who had gathered there. Explain to them what was going on. And to see 3,000 people come to Jesus and be saved in one day. Or to be Peter and John walking up to a crippled man. And telling them in Jesus' name, get up. And to see him go running and jumping for joy, completely healed. All of these stories that we read in Scripture were all part of one big story. They were all part of what God was doing in carrying out his plan for redemption of his creation. And in every one of these stories, there were people who got to play a part in what God was doing. And one of the questions that I've always thought about was, why them? I mean, why did Noah get to be the one to be a part of that? Why Moses? Why Peter? Why why are they the ones that got to play a part in some of these incredible things? What was it about them that made God choose them for such a thing? I believe that's an important question to answer because if we want the opportunity to be a part of things like that, if we want to get in on some big God things, and if we knew what it took for them to be able to do that, maybe if we could do whatever that was, and we could be a part of something like that too. What was it about these people that caused them to be used in these incredible ways? Well, let's start with the first one we just read about here, Noah. What was it about Noah that made God choose him for this incredible role? Well, there's really not a whole lot about Noah's life we can go by. All it says about him in this text is that he was a righteous man, that he walked with God, and that he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And based on that, we might be inclined to think, aha, well, there it is. Noah was righteous. And so, if I want to have God's favor on my life and be as part of something big that he was doing, then I just need to be as righteous as I can be. But notice the order in which these things are said about Noah. Verse 8 first says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9 says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. So it would be easy for us to think that Noah found favor with God because he was righteous or because he walked with God. But God's favor came first. And so the truth is actually the other way around. Noah didn't have God's favor because he was righteous. Noah was righteous because he had God's favor. The favor of God came first. But we automatically want to default to what made Noah get God's favor. What was it about him? The truth is there was nothing about Noah himself that caused God to suddenly put his favor on him over everyone else on earth. First point if you're following along in the notes is this. God's favor is never deserved, and can never be earned. It is a free gift of his sovereign grace. It's never deserved and can never be earned. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord simply because God can choose to have favor on anyone he wants to. He doesn't need a reason why. He could have just as easily chosen someone else and placed his favor on them. And they would have had a similar response as Noah did. And this is true about every other person that God used in every one of these amazing stories. Everything that God did all throughout the Bible and these things that we read about, he was going to do no matter what. Everything God did was going to happen because there was no chance for them not to happen. They were all part of God's divine plan, which never fails to be fulfilled. When God decrees something that he is going to do, it never fails to come about. And the success of God's plan did not hinge on those that he chose to be a part of it. It wasn't about them. He could have chosen anyone. In fact, when God chose Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, God told him through the burning bush to go speak to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. But Moses argued with God, listing all the reasons why it shouldn't be him to be the one to do it, saying that he was uh, not a good talker, saying I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And here's how God answered him in Exodus 4:11 and 12. The Lord said to him, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go and I, even I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. God was essentially telling Moses, look, buddy, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on me. But Moses kept making excuses, and so God finally is like, okay, fine. You don't want to do it? Then I'll just pick somebody else to do it. And he picked Moses' brother Aaron to be the spokesperson, the one to do all the talking. God didn't need Moses. And so when Moses refused to do it, he simply picked somebody else and used them. God has a plan for this world That he has had long before this world was even created. And there is nothing that can keep God's plans from being accomplished. And because he is a good father, instead of just carrying all this out solely by himself, he chooses people to be a part of what he is doing. But the success of his plans has nothing to do with the people he chooses to be a part of it. It has everything to do with him. In Romans nine fifteen and 16, God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Therefore, it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has compassion. When I was in college, right after I got saved, I was laying on the couch in the house that I lived in, and I was reading through the book of Acts, just reading about all these amazing and miraculous things that happened as the church grew. And I started to fall asleep, and I was kind of caught in that transition between being asleep and dreaming and and being awake and fully aware, you know, that kind of daze that you're in right there. And I was thinking about what it would have been like to be one of the apostles during the times of the early church, and and I thought, man, I wish I could have lived during that. I wish I could have been a part of that. And suddenly I woke up just totally alert because I heard uh, God speak so strongly into my spirit right then, and he said, Jason, you are a part of that. That hasn't stopped. It still goes on today. I'm still working out my plan for my creation And because I have chosen you to be saved, I have chosen you to be a part of that. God's plan is still being worked out. His story continues because the conclusion of the story hasn't happened yet. The climax of the story has happened through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You and I are living between the climax and the conclusion of the story of the plan, which I'm telling you right now, I believe is the most exciting part of the whole thing. Yes, those stories in the Old Testament were amazing. Yes, it would have been great to be a part of the beginnings of the church as it was beginning to spread like wildfire. But I guarantee you, all the saints that played a part in the things that have already happened would look down on the times that you and I are living in right now envious and going, man, I wish I could live during that time. Man, I wish I could be a part of what God is doing there right now. Because I'm telling you, as scary and as bad as things seem to be right now, God is in the process of moving pieces together. And I believe that he is about to do something so glorious it's going to blow everybody's mind. I believe he is in the process of tearing down earthly kingdoms so that his kingdom can be the one seen the most. And we get to be a part of that. God is shaping the events of the world to fall right in place with his plan and purpose. And he's doing them on a global scale. And he's also doing them on very localized scale as well. And he has chosen you and me to be a part of what he is doing. In the same way that God has a plan for this world that nothing can stop, I believe he also has a plan for this church that nobody can stop. Nothing can keep his plan from being accomplished. And make no mistake, God doesn't need any one of us In order for his plan to succeed. But by his grace and mercy. He has chosen and allowed us. To be a part of what he's doing. Church listen to what I'm about to say. Because I really want you to get this. God does have a plan for us. There are some amazing things I believe that are in store for ET. He does not need me in order to do that. He does not need me, Danny, Darren, Casey, Jennifer, any of the elders. He does not need any of us in order to do what he wants to do here. That was made very evident to me when I had my knee surgery back in January. I was put out of commission for six weeks, unable to do anything as far as my role here at this church. And for that entire six weeks, the church didn't skip a beat. It just went on just like it. it has always been doing because God is the one who is doing it. What's happening here is God's doing, not mine, not Danny's, not anyone else's. Yes, God has put an awesome staff and a leadership team together that he is allowing right now us to join him and to be stewards of what he is doing right now. But we cannot get so full of ourselves that we begin to think that we are needed. And if it's, if it's not us, then everything's going to fall apart. I mean, I already knew that God didn't need me to accomplish his purpose in this church, but having it driven home during that strongly back in January uh, actually made me more excited about being your pastor because it made me realize that since he doesn't need me that means that he is just allowing me the privilege of joining him in the work that he is doing here in this place and I don't want to take that for granted. I mean I want to take advantage of every opportunity that that affords me and I'm not saying that Because God doesn't need me and he's still going to accomplish what he wants to do, that that removes me of any responsibility at all. I know some people could probably take this way out into left field and something like that. I mean, there are a lot of things that do depend on what I do, that the leadership of this church does. But no matter what, God is faithful even when we are not. And his plans and his purpose for this church are going to be accomplished. Any type of success that this church has is not my doing, it's not anyone's doing, but God's. He is the one who does it. And I want you to understand that because if you do, it will go a long ways for you to be putting your eyes more on Jesus and less on any man. I mean, too many churches place the pastor on too high of a pedestal believing that the success of the church is all about him. He is behind the whole thing, and it depends solely on him, which is a very unhealthy place to be because when something happens and suddenly that pastor is gone, then the church completely falls apart because their hope and their faith and their eyes are in the wrong place. And although I plan on being here as God... As long as God allows me, I know I'm not going to be here forever. I mean, 10 out of every 10 people eventually die. (laughs) And I was raised to be taught that whenever you use something that doesn't belong to you, you're just getting to use it for a little bit, always return it in better shape than you first got it. This is not my church. This is God's church. And he's just given me and the other leaders here the privilege of being the stewards of it for the time being. And the best way for us to leave it in better shape for the next generation is to make sure that our eyes are solely on Jesus and not on any man. Not on any man. This actually isn't really the main point of the message today. Here's the main thing I want you to get this morning. Because God is doing something in this church. If you are a part of this church family, then that means He has chosen you to get in on and be a part of what He is doing. Not to just sit there and receive, but to work with Him and allowing Him to use the things that He has placed inside of you that He knows are crucial. To carry out what he wants to do. If you didn't have something. That allows this church body to be everything that God has called us to be. Then you wouldn't be here. I completely believe that. You have something. That God desires to use. In carrying out what he does here. He doesn't need any of us to accomplish this. But he does want you to join him in it. Because he's a good father. He's given you the privilege of doing that. And you can choose not to take part in that. You can. Or you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity he's given you. If you choose not to, he's just going to pick somebody else that will. And usually he's not going to go, I'm just going to do it myself. No, he's going to go find somebody else. Because he likes us to be a part of things with him. Because he's a good father. Back in the summer when... My family we had the, took on the summer project of growing watermelons and, and selling them. Um, it was a great experience for all of us and for the kids, and there were some things that, if I could have just done it all myself, probably would have been a whole lot more efficient, <laughs> got it done quicker. But I wanted my kids to join me in that. I wanted them to take part in it because I knew how good, yeah, there's the watermelon practice right there. We're tilling it up, part of it up right there. We didn't till up the whole thing, but it was two acres. It was originally plowed, and then we used tiller on parts of it. But anyway, I wanted them to learn the value of, A good work ethic and the value of earning their own money and cooperation and working together to achieve a goal. And so even though I could have done things all by myself, I wanted my kids to take part in it with me. Because I enjoy doing things with them. And it would be so good for them. That's the same way God is. Because he's a good father. Yeah, he could do everything that he wants to do himself. But he wants his kids to join him in that. Because he and He knows that we're going to enjoy Him and He knows how good it will be for us. In many of the churches that I've been a part of in the past, um, you'd never hear this message preached in them because what you would hear is the exact opposite about how desperately God needs you and that He needs you so much the success of everything rides on it. And if you don't do your part, the whole thing is going to fail, and God is going to remove his favor from you. And they would take issue with what I'm saying, believing that if people hear this, and that's just going to cause them to not do anything. As in, well, if God doesn't need me, and he's just going to accomplish what he's going to do in this church, and what, what's, what use is it for me in getting involved in, in doing anything? Well, my answer to that would be twofold. First of all, God doesn't ever want our motivation to be from begrudging obligation. That's not what he is after. He doesn't want us motivated by a have to, but by a want to. And he also wants us to realize that we can. Don't do it because you have to. Do it because you now can. Because you are in Christ. Christ. And I believe that that's what holds a lot of people back. They just don't have the confidence that they can do anything that God is calling them to be a part of. That if there's something in this church that, you know, their heart kind of feels moved towards and they're just scared of getting involved because what if they don't have what it takes? What if they don't know? That's not how it works. Because you are in Christ, you can. Because think about this. Why was Noah able to do what he did? Why was he able to build such a a successful boat like that? That thing worked to perfection. Was he an experienced boat maker? Heck no. He lived out in the middle of a desert. He probably never built a boat in his entire life. He wasn't some skilled carpenter. He was able to do what he did for one simple reason, because he had the favor of the Lord on his life. That's it. That's all it took for him to be able to do something huge. It was the favor of God that motivated and enabled him to accomplish this big task. He didn't build it in order to get God's favor. He built it because he had God's favor. Now, how do we know whether or not we've got the favor of the Lord on our life? Well, I can tell you this it for sure is not measured by how much stuff you have, by your material possessions, or by your talent, your ability, your knowledge, or anything else other than the blood of Jesus. That's it. Next point. If you are in Christ, you have the favor of God. Like I said, it is a free gift of his sovereign grace. And because you have his favor, you can do anything that he is calling you to, get a, to be a part of. And then the next point, the Christian life is not about doing for God's favor. It's about doing because of God's favor. We don't do anything to get it. We do because we have it. Moses was a shadow, a picture pointing us to Jesus, who in the midst of a broken, sinful, evil world was the one who had the favor of the Lord on his life. And it is him we run to from the safety of the destruction of God's wrath for sin he is the favored one of the father and being in him means that you get everything that he has from the father which means you have the father's favor not because of you but because of him so no you don't have to do anything if you decide not to, God's just going to find somebody else who will. But I promise you this, you will be missing out on so much. So much. Knowing that God doesn't need you to accomplish his will really does two things. I mean, knowing that, you know, he can easily do it on his own, but he's allowed you to be a part of it. First of all, it humbles you big time. Know that you don't deserve it. You don't have the ability usually to do it, but God's just allowing you in on what he is doing. It's humbling. And humility is really the first thing we need in order for God to to use us like he wants to. And then the other thing it does is that it takes the pressure off. And this is huge. Because when I finally realized that God didn't need me to accomplish great things in this church... It took a whole lot of unhealthy pressure off of me, like the pressure to perform, the pressure to please everyone, the pressure to succeed. I'm telling you right now, my beard probably wouldn't have turned gray if I'd have realized this a whole lot earlier. That kind of pressure is stressful. It's not the life that God intends for us to live. He says, Don't worry about success. I got that. You just come along for the ride. Let me use you. I'll tell you the biggest way that this has changed my view as far as being a pastor. Everything that I do now, instead of it being, I have to do this, it's now that I get to do this. I don't have to stand up here every Sunday and preach the gospel, I get to preach the gospel. get to do that if you knew what kind of life I lived before he gave me his favor for no good reason you'd realize man that is something he gets to do because it sure doesn't have anything to do with him I don't have to build relationships with people and lead them into the things that I believe God, is the direction he's taking us. I get to do that. I don't have to pray with anyone or counsel anybody that's going through a hard time. I get to do those things. I don't have to go visit people at the hospital. I get to. Because God has given me the privilege of getting in on what He is doing. I'm working with the Father in accomplishing His purpose. It's an amazing thing to be a part of. And then the last point as Christians, we do not because we have to, but because we get to. We get to. You don't have to do whatever you feel that God's leading you to do. You get to do it because of his grace and mercy. I'm telling you, this isn't limited to just what's going on in church. You can apply this to everyday things in life. Men, you know what? You don't have to be the spiritual leader of your home. You get to be the spiritual leader of your home. And that is a privileged thing to be called to because not every man gets that privilege. Not every man gets to do that. Be the spiritual leader of his home. You don't really technically have to go to work to provide for your family. Because all their provision comes from God. The Bible says, I will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. But you know what? You get to go to work every day and take part in God's provision for your family. He's using you and allowing you to get on what he is doing in order to bless your family. Before salvation, we all couldn't help but to sin because we were all held under its power, controlled by it. Now that we have been set free from sin's sin's power, we get to say no to it. I mean, apart from Jesus, Genesis 6, 5 is talking about us. The intent of the thoughts of their heart were only evil continually. That's us apart from Christ. But because he sets us free from that power and that control of evil and sin, we now can say no to it. Before Jesus, we couldn't say no to it. I mean, we're totally consumed and controlled by it, but now we can. Remember, salvation is all God's doing. We are saved because he chose to save us. And if that happened to you, God did not do that simply for you to wait around to go to heaven one day when you die. He, his saving you is all about him giving you the privilege of joining him in what he is doing and joining him in this plan that he had in his mind before he even created the world to join him in what Noah and Moses and David and Ezekiel and all the apostles that they got to join him in. Oh, you get to join him in, join him in on those things too. He didn't have to choose you because he doesn't really need you to accomplish what he wants to do. He could do it all himself, but he's a good father who likes to work with his kids. Get his kids to join him and get get in on the good things that he is doing. So my encouragement to you this morning is to take advantage of all that you now get to do if you are in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, what an incredible thing to think that you would allow us, we who are broken, who constantly fail, disappoint, and have no ability in and of ourselves that can really do much, Lord, how amazing to think that you would choose to allow people like us to get in on such amazing things, to join you, the creator of all that is. the one who is doing things right now. You're setting things in place. It's absolutely going to blow people away. That you're allowing us to be a part of that just by your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray that this truth today would motivate someone to step out of what they have resigned themselves to. To step out of the things that they think are just comfortable and safe. And that you would show them, Lord, that you've got greater things for them. And that they can, not because of them, but because of you. Lord, I pray that you would bring them to a new level of trust in you today. Lord, I pray for somebody who may be in here this morning and they realize that they they don't have your favor in their life because they don't know Jesus. They're still living for their own favor and the favor of others. Lord, I pray that this morning that you would give them an offer that they can't refuse. That they would come to you in repentance and faith. The grace and mercy that you have provided through Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would be a church body full of a bunch of want-tos and get-tos And I can't wait to see what you do through that, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing. Let us continually keep that in mind. And, Lord, let us continually keep our eyes on you and not on any man. Lord, be glorified and let your will be done in, among us, and with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.